the Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. I did. I trimmed it down. It's dramatically different, isn't it? It is. It's like a haircut. It's just a few inches lower. Learn something new. So, one of the things that we've been doing for weeks and weeks and weeks in September is collecting food. And all this food we're going to give to the food pantry which is a place where anybody who is hungry and needs help can go and they'll get food. As usual, today, we are going to collect anything that anybody's brought and bring it up here and add it to this collection. So, people in the congregation, if you have something to donate uh, this morning to the food bank, please raise your hand. And I see many people. Would you like to go help pick it up? Wherever there's somebody's hand raised, up oh, there they are. Oh, there's some here too. Oh. All right. 
I help take it out of the bags and add it to all the rest of the piles. Oh, very good. Very good. Anywhere where there's food. That's perfect. Very good. Wow. These are muscles. Oh, there's a lot of bags back there. I see some bags back there. Jack, can you help me get those bags back there? All right. I know. There's some food up there. Whoa. Let me help you there. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Wow. Honey Nut Cheerios. Those are my favorite. Oh, cool. There's more and more and more. Wow. Claire, you're the strongest one here. I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Right over there. All right. Now don't don't block me in. I need to get up and down. Wow. Oh no. Wow. Did we get it all? We got it all. Very good. Uh, do you know where they came from? All right. Then put them in the front pew. Oh, there they are. Perfect. No, let's oh, let's stack them any higher than three. So take that one down. There you go. All right. So we're not going to sort right now. And if everybody could have a seat again. There you go. And can everybody look at my nose? There you go. That's a lot of food, isn't it? That's a whole lot of food. In today's story, we have Jesus telling us about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. Now, the poor man didn't have anything to eat, and he didn't have uh, many people to be with, and he also didn't have a place to go. He just kind of sat outside the rich man's gate all the time, so right at the end of his driveway, so to speak. And the rich man had a lot of money and a lot of food and a lot of ability to help, but he just didn't. And in the story, we hear that God really, really, really wants us to help. God wants us to be people that help others when they're in need. God wants us to share food, and God wants us to share everything that we have so that people have everything that they need. It's a really... And tissue boxes, everything. The really neat thing about this story is that we can see here right in front of us what the rich man should do. And we've been doing it, haven't we? We could have very easily just kept all this stuff at our house or just ate all this stuff ourselves and not shared it one little bit. But that's not what we do. We share, yes, we share it with people. We gather it together and we give it to anybody that has need. Exactly. Exactly. 
and we share. We share no matter what. That's what we're doing. I would like to thank a few people. I'd like to thank all the congregation people, all the people right out here, and you all, because you were able to collect all this food, and you were able to donate all this food, and you were able to think, this is what God would want me to do. And you actually did it. That's a cool thing. That's a really, really cool thing. And so many people are going to get to eat this food and are going to get to have what they need. So many people are going to be helped. That's right. That's right. Whenever we have more food, we give it away so that God can give it to other people. That's exactly right. So I want to thank all the congregation, and I want to thank you. I also think we should thank God for all the stuff that we have and for the, the ability to give it away. Should we say a prayer? Let's pray. God, thank you very much for this food. Bless all of creation that prepared it, both near and far. And wherever it lands, on whatever table it lands, we ask that you would bless all people. You would bless the ones that are eating it, the ones that have given it, the ones that cry out to you for food of all kind. Bless this congregation and bless these youth and children that we might continue to give away everything that we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, am I trapped? Yeah, you're trapped. Well, this looks like a chasm that cannot be crossed, but the snacks are on my side. Does the chasm get taken down now? Oh, okay. Oh, look. That came down quickly. Yes. Thank you, Cooper. Since we have communion, I'm going to make sure this goes out. In the name of Jesus, amen. This text is a very memorable one. It's one that kind of sticks in your head even if you don't study it a whole lot. And this text can be a little scary because it seems very final. It seems very inflexible. There's a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. And already we can tell this story is going to be different just by that detail. Because in every other part of life, the rich ones are the famous ones. The rich ones are the well-known ones. The rich ones are the ones whose names we remember. You know who Bill Gates is. You don't know who the person that lives six houses that way is. The rich ones are the ones we remember. You might know whoever lives six houses that way. But my point is, the rich ones are the ones we remember, but in this story, things are already upside down because the rich is just some person unnamed. And the poor is a very specific, remembered person named Lazarus. 
And so there's this rich man and this poor man, and we have this evocative thing about the poor man. It's known that the poor man needs food. It's known that the poor man just wants the basic needs of life. But Jesus goes on to add a little line that provokes something in us. He has sores, and that even the dogs lick his sores. That kind of stirs something in you, doesn't it? It kind of gets in your stomach and in your chest. It, it just kind of changes the way you think about it. We know not a whole lot about what the poor man named Lazarus is going through. We just know that Lazarus is in a bad place. Not a great place to be. And so they die. Both of them die. And the rich man is buried, and the poor man named Lazarus is taken up by the angels to be with Abraham. And now they're talking to one another. I didn't know that there was a lot of communication between heaven and hell, but hey, they're talking to one another. And the rich man says, Abraham, help. And Abraham says, no. And the rich man said, send Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue. The rich man still doesn't quite understand that Lazarus isn't his servant and isn't someone that he can just command to do whatever he wants. But Abraham says no. And then the rich man does some really nice things. Hey, I've got five brothers, and I really like for them not to be here. I have a heart too. And so, send Lazarus to them. Just so they know not to do this, no. Well, if someone comes back from the dead, I bet they believe, instead of just Moses and the prophets, no. It's really interesting how final this is and how unflinching this is. How important this seems to be. In all of the Gospels, the thing that Jesus teaches about the most is how to treat people. How to treat the poor. How to treat the neglected. How to treat the sick. How to treat the oppressed. How to treat the captive how to treat the foreigner, how to treat people. This is at the heart of Jesus' teaching. But I think the text is a little bit different than it looks at first glance. I don't think this text is strictly about this idea of heaven and hell and this chasm cannot be crossed, and if you don't do what you were meant to, that's it. Because there's a few parts of this story that seem to be a little bit different than what I know in the gospel, and what you probably know too. You see, I believe that Luke, in writing this, already knew the end of the story. And I believe that Jesus, in telling this, already knew the end of the story. And I don't just mean the story that's being told today. I mean the story of Jesus' whole life. You see, there's a few things that stand out. For example, this chasm cannot be crossed. Well, I don't know that to be true. We say, now we're saying the Nicene Creed today, but... In both creeds, and I have the Apostles' Creed more ready in my head, but Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. Or, as I grew up saying, he descended into hell. 
Well, that chasm can be crossed, can it? That chasm can be crossed. And there's another thing. They wouldn't believe, even if, even if someone was brought back from the dead. I remember someone being brought back from the dead. I remember, I remember two, actually. In John, in a completely separate story, there's a man named Lazarus who's brought back from the dead. And people believe. And if we don't want to get into who's Lazarus and who's not, there's this person called Jesus who's brought back from the dead. And it's the basis of why we're even here today. There's a couple things that are just a little bit weird with this text. And then there's a third one, and you might have caught it, you might not have, but the person who the rich man is arguing with isn't God. It's Abraham. You see, Abraham is that birth of the covenant person. Abraham is the one, Abraham and Sarah, I should say, are the ones that God promised out of them to make God's people. They would have descendants like the sand and the stars. And whoever blesses them will be blessed, and whoever curses them will, will, will be cursed. And through them, all the families of the world will be blessed, of the earth will be blessed. Abraham understands this blessing and cursing dynamic. If you're doing good, that's good. If you're doing bad, that's bad. And Abraham is simply saying what Abraham knows, what Abraham has taught to his descendants, what the law is to Abraham's descendants, what we already know to be true. But Abraham is not the judge of the living and the dead. I believe that belongs to the one that was resurrected and crossed the chasm. That would be Jesus. So there's a few things that crumble in this story. The finality of the story crumbles. The division of the story crumbles. The rigidity of the story crumbles. But what doesn't crumble is the emphasis on caring for people. And that's what it's supposed to be about anyways. You see, this story could grab our attention and just become exegetical work on what heaven is like and what hell's like. This story is about people. The story is about how you're treating the people around you and how they're treating you too. The story is about the grace and mercy of God being given through our actions and through our works. The story is about the grace and mercy of God for the sinner and for the one in need all at the same time. We know the end of the story. And the end of the story, the poor are cared for and they are lifted up and the sinner, the sinner is not left across the chasm and there is forgiveness for us all. We could have left it at home. We could have left this food at home. We could have left ourselves at home. We could have left 
our hearts sighing and yearning at home, but we have been gathered together. Yes, the food has been gathered together, but you too have been gathered together. And on you will be poured the blessings of God, the body and blood of Christ, and through you will be poured the blessings of God, the sacrament of grace and mercy for the whole world. Through you and in you will be these good things. Thanks be to God for a story that crumbles. Thanks be to God for at the heart of the story teaching us to to treat people well. Thanks be to God for love and grace and mercy and thanks be to God for a calling to be good to the ones around us. Thanks be to God. Amen.